Hello and welcome to a Sunday, May 1st edition of the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. As always, I'm your host, Horace Kermani, and today we get to start off the second round of the NBA playoffs with a two-game slate of two incredibly well-anticipated and just altogether exciting series. Blighted a little bit with some of the injuries, which we will, of course, talk about. But in general, we saw the first round be an absolute bloodbath. But there were, in the end, no major upsets. The top four seeds of both conferences were the ones that did advance in their respective matchups. And now we get essentially the cream of the crop going up against each other in that second round to get a spot into a potential conference final for each of the respective conferences. But before we do get into that, as always, we are proudly sponsored by Thrive Fantasy. And if you haven't had a chance to get yourself on it as of yet, well, I don't know what you've been doing all season, but the time is now. Go ahead and get on to thrivefantasy.com, use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and get in on some of the best daily prop action that you will find anywhere. You go ahead and make lineups based on over and unders of different statistical categories for different players playing on the night. And as being a listener of the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast, using that promo code ETHOS, your deposit of $100 will be matched 100% up until there. So definitely get in on that, sign up and prop up today. But let's get right into it with our two games today. And it's going to be a quick hitter. The problem with all of these two game slates is always the level of variability is just so high with the one player essentially making or breaking a lineup in any of these scenarios. And it gets started right away with Milwaukee going into Boston for their first round, uh, for their first match of the second round. A 218 and a half game total with the Boston Celtics favored to win by four and a half points. As far as the injury report is concerned for Milwaukee, as we know, Chris Middleton has been ruled out and is expected to miss the entirety of the second round series with his grade two MCL sprain. A huge, huge loss as far as the Milwaukee Bucks are concerned. So we're going to have to see how they deal with that with this entire matchup being an incredibly tough one. George Hill is also out for game one as far as the Milwaukee Bucks are concerned. But the rest of the lineup is good to go. On the Boston end, they have much better news overall as far as injuries concerned. No major ones for any of their main starters. And in fact, we now know that Robert Williams, he is going to get the opportunity to start now. So he had been coming off the bench, had been in a bit of a minutes restriction during that first series. That is set to finish. So lots to look at when we get to that side there. But let's start with Milwaukee itself. And as always, when you're starting with Milwaukee, you're starting with Giannis, who sitting at a 11,000 price tag is going to be the most expensive option here, but is also most likely going to be the highest raw DK point scorer here. In general, against Boston, he's just absolutely eaten them alive. He's only had to play 33 minutes a game in the three that he's done during the regular season, but averaged about 51 DK points in that time. And you don't need me to tell you just how good Giannis is on a permanent basis on any game that requires him to play more of those minutes in. 
That's what we've seen so far in the playoffs. He's only had one game where he's had to hit that 40-minute mark, and that was a four-point loss to Chicago when they went ahead and had their only loss of that first round. And that's where he dropped 75 DK points. This Boston series is going to be very much an absolute bloodbath in that sense. And his responsibility has just gone that much higher with the reality that Chris Middleton is not going to be there. Who, Boston, I'm sure, is really excited to not have him. Middleton has consistently been a guy who has constantly just found himself being that X factor for them. Whether it be even in a series that they lose... You know, that three that Milton hit way, way back, that was one of the best ones to send it over to overtime. But in general, he's just found himself really successful in that matchup against the Celtics. So Giannis's responsibilities just go that much higher, not only from a facilitation standpoint, but just purely in offensive requirements of him. So the fact that he's gotten near 20 field goal attempts in that first series against the Bulls, I expect that to go up in this one here. And that's going to be great news for those who take him in DFS. And I expect this price tag is going to start to go up pretty soon as he uh, gets himself into the groove. Speaking of getting into the groove, though, Drew Holiday has been another one who has just been absolutely in the groove as far as the matchup against the Celtics has concerned. It's just one of those matchups that fits right into the kind of mold that Drew Holiday is, being the defensive stalwart that he is, being able to get a little bit more physical in a more physical matchup. Refs in general have let a little bit more go in the Celtics ones, just the way the games have been played, their pace of play. It just happens to fit perfectly with what Drew Holiday does, and that's what's allowed him to rack up a ton of steals in that matchup. He's averaging 3.3 in the four games that he played against Boston, and that allowed him to get an average of nearly 47 DK points in those games there. I expect he's going to be needed just as much, especially on the defensive end. As we can see from the points total, it's not like it's going to be a barn burner from that pure perspective. 218 is likely going to get, in my opinion, slightly less than that. It's going to be a slowed down half court type of game. And that fits perfectly for Drew Holiday, who, you know, at his price tag of 8,200 is definitely an investment that you're putting into that. But of the guys that I'm looking at, as far as Milwaukee's concerned, it's really between Giannis and Drew that I'm really trying to see. You know, a lot of that kind of base of my lineups being built around. Because beyond that, even though both uh, Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez are in pretty good spot as far as price tags concerned, the only real other area that I'm looking at is in a little bit of value, and that's coming in with Wesley Matthews, who definitely not a sexy pick. He had uh, two games where he had 20-plus DK points in that first series. But what's more important is that he has been highly, highly required as far as the defensive side of things are concerned. He's been needed to go out and guard a number of those perimeter players and I could see a big scenario in which he spends a lot of time on someone like a Jalen Brown while they try and work things out between Jalen, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum being that three-headed monster and Drew and Giannis are going to need a little bit of help on there. I expect him to continue playing those high 20s if not low 30s as far as minutes are concerned which means he just has to hit a couple of those threes which is really all he's going to shoot for his value to be hit. So in a slate where there's just two games not all that much value to be found overall you kind of know where things are going from a overall recommendation standpoint i am quite interested in being able to look at a wesley matthews as a guy as my cheap pick although i wouldn't fault you for also looking at someone like a grayson allen who did have a very solid series in that last uh, chicago one uh, saw himself get those field goal attempts up into the low teens which is great 
as far as his value is concerned. And the last uh, three games, where he averaged over 30 DK points overall. So definitely someone who is potentially in play over here, but we'll have to see how that actually pans out when we get into the series itself. Moving on to the Boston side itself. And this is where it's gotten pretty interesting because the price tags were usually they have been pretty high for whether it be a Jason Tatum over 10K, a Jalen Brown well into the 8,000s. They've actually seen themselves get a pretty decent discount over here, which, you know, contrary to what I always say, not often taking a Tatum or a Brown in favor of someone like a Smart or a Horford in the playoffs. I, I will find myself taking a little bit of at least one of them. Uh, Jason Tatum is going to be my preferred option of the two at 9400 He is definitely expensive, but the Milwaukee matchup has been one that he has consistently done well in. Not only just this year where he's averaging 54 DK points on them on 47% shooting, including 44 from three. But in general, if you look over his career splits, that is a matchup that he has thrived pretty significantly in. So... Jason Tatum with that dual forward eligibility is definitely going to be one of my key picks as far as Boston's concerned. And of course, as I kind of alluded to earlier, that Giannis Drew side is going to be a pretty significant investment as far as money is concerned. So we are going to have to start looking at areas of value. And really, when we start off with some of that value, it's Robert Williams that just absolutely jumps off the page for me as one of my favorite picks there. I mean, technically, he would be mid-tier sitting right at 5,000, which is where that um, where that area ends up starting. But at that 5,000 price mark starting now, he is just going to be one of those picks as a center that's going to be heavily, heavily used today. So looking forward to being able to go ahead and take some of that chalk, in my opinion. He should be sitting easily in the 30s as far as DK points are concerned. So we're going to have to see how that ends up working out for him. Beyond that, I have uh, consistently liked the uh, Al Horford side of things. Uh, he, at his price tag, which has gone down to 5700 this is the reason why Al Horford is still around. His uh, minutes were obviously restricted during the regular season to be able to do that. But in this kind of a matchup where they're going to want to have that stretch coming out, again, Brooke Lopez is the one on the other hand. You want him out of the paint as much as possible, and that's really what Al Horford's job is going to be, to try to drag him out on the offensive end, force him to contest those three-pointers. I expect Horford to get that much more involved with the offensive end to open up that little bit of space for both uh, Tatum and Brown to operate. So, both of those guys at their price tags are definitely in play. And Marcus Smart just continues to be a guy that I just take. It's just plain and simple. I, I always believe that his price tag offers you that upside because he has a bit of peak and valleys uh, situation on their end. So definitely something to keep in, uh, keep in mind when you are taking him. But as we saw in that first round series as well, while he did have, you know, I'd say one bad game against Brooklyn in which he dropped 21 DK points, Otherwise, he's just been super consistent for what his game has always been. And what it matters is that we are looking at someone who is going to be taking 15, 16 field goal attempts as far as Marcus Smart himself is concerned. But what we are also going to see is him get that much more involved on the facilitation side, where he averaged over seven assists a game during that first round series, which is a decent jump over his regular season average. And in general, I expect that he's going to start to get himself more involved and more kind of into it in what should be a more physical series. So lots to like. In general, the reality is Boston, 
We know how their rotation works. They are heavy on their starters. As far as their bench is concerned, it's really just uh, Grant Williams and Derek White that get uh, any sort of significant bench run. And I'm not really all that excited to be able to take, take either of them. Grant Williams probably being the more preferred of the two if I was to go with that, uh, given the fact that his minutes are a little bit more secure as that six-man for him. And he's got that dual forward eligibility while essentially being a bit of a tweener as far as a guard to forward for them. So he just fits in into a lot of different rotations. My only concern with him is that he never gets enough shots in general to be able to go ahead and be consistent as far as his value is concerned. You're looking at a lot of his uh, defensive stats and some of those rebounds that he's able to go ahead and sneak in to uh, get to his value. So at 3,800, not the worst pick to be able to take, but not where I'm necessarily going forward as far as Boston is concerned. Moving on to the second and final game of the night, which is the Golden State Warriors starting off their series going into Memphis for game one. 222 total over here with the Golden State Warriors favored to win by two and a half. So looks like Vegas is banking on an away team stealing that first game. And we're going to get right into what that can potentially mean for the series itself. Because I do expect this to be a pretty exciting one, even if not necessarily the longest of series. The Golden State Warriors are just playing like a well-oiled machine at the moment. And much of that is coming from the Golden State Warriors being quite healthy as far as their injuries are concerned. It's really just Andre Iguodala, who is still going to be reevaluated for his neck issue, which seems to be pretty persistent, has been out for about a week with that. And of course, James Wiseman just continues to be out for the entire season. Not that he's necessarily needed. It's a nice position for him to be in. Just take whatever time he needs to be able to get himself fully healthy and integrate himself with what looks like it could be one of the front runners as far as the Western Conference is concerned. As far as the Memphis Grizzlies side is concerned as well, also in a pretty good scenario as far as injuries are concerned. However, Steven Adams has entered uh, COVID protocols and he has been ruled out for game one. So it looks like he is going to be out for at least game one and game two. So we're going to have to see how the uh, Memphis Grizzlies go ahead and adjust with that. However, they did that quite well in the first round with uh, Brandon Clark and he's going to be a big part of what I speak about today. And then secondly, it's Zaire Williams, who is also day-to-day with his knee soreness. We'll see if he is able to go ahead and make it out over there, but he is listed as questionable. Beyond that, no major rotation pieces involved in that. As far as the Golden State Warriors are concerned, this is where there is a lot of upside as far as price tags are concerned. And I'm starting that with Steph Curry right then and there. We know he started off the series against Denver, coming off the bench, had that 30-minute restriction, but over the last two games where that was removed, he was inserted back into the starting lineup, put up 59 and 47 DK points respectively, playing 37 and 38 minutes. So it's clear that he is back to his regular usage. And what's really important is that Memphis has been one of his best matchups throughout the regular season, put up 62 DK points on average against them in the three games that he played, shot 40% from three in that one. And Steph Curry is exactly what Steph Curry always is, which is an absolute killer at 8,900. That is just a price tag that is way, way, way too cheap for a guy that's going to be the undisputed first option. The guy who's going to be all involved in a series that I expect to be 
a pretty tight one and Vegas is obviously expecting that to be the case too with a two and a half uh, favor for the Golden State Warriors meaning that Curry is going to be required to play somewhere between that 38 to 40 minutes to ensure that they are able to walk away with that victory I expect the salary is going to start rising really quickly to his regular 10,000 and above once uh, he really starts to string together some of those performances that we know Steph Curry will do on a regular basis so take advantage of this while it lasts even though Giannis is probably going to be the greatest raw DK point scorer. I do believe from a value for money perspective, Steph Curry is going to be the guy that I'm going to be leaning quite heavily on in all these lineups and try to save a little bit of cash to see if I can can get in on some of these mid-tier guys who I am pretty excited about. Speaking of the mid-tier for the Golden State Warriors, it's between that Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green area. They're all pretty much around that same kind of price tag. Uh, Clay, as we know, is very much peaks and valleys if you can get a shot going the way he has already in this first round it looks like he is back to full form he's shooting over 50 percent in that first round series looked great not only from the inside but his outside shots getting back there as well my worry with him is always that those ancillary stats that come with it he was able to rack up nine rebounds in that last game against denver which helped him get all the way up to 41 dk points as well even though his shot was at its weakest in that one but otherwise if his shot isn't going i'm always kind of wary of being able to take him at 7100 i can't fault you with that if he gets hot he's easily going to be able to break that so i expect to have at least a little bit of exposure to him especially with that small forward eligibility as well and that same kind of scenario goes for jordan Poole as well i'll probably have him in a lineup or two just because he has that fire starter capability as he showed in game two against denver put a 54 in that game and really He's also one of those peaks and valleys, though he has been so consistent by and large during this uh, short playoff run so far that I feel a little bit more confident taking him being a little bit more of a point guard rather than uh, a Clay Thompson. But again, as always, Draymond Green remains my favorite guy of that mid-tier for the Warriors to be able to take just because you know he is going to find a way to his value. It's not going to be with his scoring very often. He's Only in that last game against Denver did he even put up double-digit field goal attempts. But it's always that Swiss Army knife that you know you're going to get with him. He's always going to get in there as far as the rebounding is concerned. I expect, especially now with Steven Adams also being out, that they're going to be trying to you know really hustle more with Brandon Clark and uh, Jaron Jackson to try and get some of those boards. And you know Draymond is really going to get right in there, mix it up with them as well. And I expect him to have a pretty solid series on the glass, which is always great as far as his stats are concerned. Because if we look at his two games that he played during the regular season against Memphis, he only averaged six points in that matchup, but was still able able to put up nearly 40 DK points because he was able to get eight rebounds, eight assists, four blocks, two and a half steals, all those little things that we know Draymond can do. And at 6,600, he is going to be one of my favorite mid-tier guys because I expect him to be all that much more involved in this series, which again, is likely to be a little bit slower, that little bit more methodical once you know jaw is able to be kind of worked on in the half court there because that is where they're going to be spending a lot of time i expect there's going to be a lot less transition speed over here this is going to be one of those series that draymond is going to try to kind of grind them down in as the defensive anchor of the golden state warrior so looking forward to seeing what he can do there and speaking of trying to grind down we saw that gary payton finally got 
26 minutes in that last game, and he was absolutely key to their victory to be able to go ahead and close out that series. I expect he is going to see a lot of time on John Morant during this series. And at 3,400, he's going to be one of my uh, kind of favored value picks over here. I expect him to get a lot of time in early. They're going to be absolutely just hounding John Morant with him, trying to keep him off the paint out of the area where he can get any sort of space to operate because that's where Jaw gets most deadly. And they saw in that last series that when he's actually slowed down, when he's working in the half court, he really does struggle to be able to get meaningful offense going on a regular basis. So if they can prevent him from being able to just have those rim runs, which I expect that uh, Gary Payton will be tasked to do, I expect he'll end up getting himself into those high 20s to perhaps even low 30s as far as minutes are concerned. So uh, I'm you know, taking that gamble with him, of course, at 3,400, there's really not that much downside if he doesn't get things going, but I expect I will be seeing that work out pretty well. So let's see how that game goes for him. Moving on, though, to the Memphis side here, and this is where, again, we talk about taking some things off the chin. John Moran, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. I'm going to be taking him off the chin, absolutely, even though he had himself a pretty solid series from a DK point standpoint. At 9,600, when I have Tatum for 200 less, position aside, 200 less, Steph Curry for 700 less, all those guys that have just, to me, greater upside to be able to go ahead and outperform what uh, Jaw will potentially be able to do in this matchup, that's somewhere that does bring a little bit of concern for me. Jaw played about 37 minutes a game against them in the regular season, put up pretty decent 46 DK points there, but if you're paying 9600 for him, you're looking for him to be able to have that upside to be able to drop... 60 plus in this kind of a matchup and in general I expect that with the Golden State Warriors defense really looking like that well-oiled machine that I was talking about earlier he is gonna have that little bit of struggle to be able to go ahead and get his rhythm and maybe there's some adjustments that are made and he's able to go ahead and get it back in later games down the series but I have a feeling this first game he is going to struggle and that's why instead of Ja I'm looking a lot more into that kind of mid-tier area for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies and Desmond Bain who had an absolutely incredible series in that first one against the, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves has struggled or has found his struggles from the field in general but his uh, three-point shot has been on against the Warriors shot over 50% in the four games that he played against them and at 6,900 while it's not you know the most exciting price tag because again I could if I wanted just pure upside uh, you're looking at uh, the potential of Clay Thompson for $200 more I mean, Jalen Brown is only a thousand more than uh, the Desmond Bain price tag, and he's going to be far more involved on the offense from his end. So there's just a lot of decisions to be able to get made. And another one to take off the chin for me is Dylan Brooks and 5,800. He's just, he's going to chuck, you know, he's going to put up somewhere near 20 field goal attempts, but he is just so incredibly inefficient that it's just always going to continue to be that anchor down for him and in general I would much rather be looking at someone like a Brandon Clark a Jaron Jackson both of them that are sitting at that 6100 5900 price tag range which I do believe will be quite affordable to even potentially be able to take them both and I expect that much like the Minnesota Timberwolves series they're going to be doing a lot more of that really forcing as many offensive rebounds as they possibly can and Jaron Jackson just needs to find himself out of foul trouble because he's done relatively well in the matchups against the Golden State Warriors putting up about 35 DK points there but as we saw in the first round it was really that last game in which uh, he was able to avoid foul trouble and get himself into a decent spot was able to get his first double digit rebound game in that 
was able to play 34 minutes, and that ended up leading him to 45.5 DK points. And that's really the kind of upside we know Jaron Jackson has on a game-in, game-out basis. And I expect with the Golden State Warriors not being as tall a team that don't have a Carl Anthony Towns constantly going at him, for instance, he may find himself in a situation where he can keep himself out of that foul trouble and get himself deeply involved with more of the offense there. And then finally, from a value perspective, Kyle Anderson has shown his value again and again in these playoff scenarios, playoff matchups. His minutes have obviously been kind of low to where they always are sitting in that kind of 18 to 24 minute range. And at 4,100, I'm a little wary of uh, being able to commit to that because he's in that kind of same scenario as like a Grant Williams, where he could uh, find himself in a pretty decent scenario there to be able to produce, but he just doesn't get enough shot attempts and doesn't get enough involved with the offense, even though his ability to do also kind of Swiss Army things does help the Memphis Grizzlies in a lot of ways, and I expect they might start to play him a little bit more if the game does start to slow down, because that's where Kyle Anderson, slow-mo as his name is, will be able to thrive the most. But that brings us to the end of the two games there. And since we are talking about thriving the most, uh, I will first talk about the Thrive side before I come back here to my tears, because it just seems to be a nice little segue to be able to jump into it. And very simply, Draymond Green is my Thrive Fantasy pick. 23.5 points, rebounds, and assists combined to get you an over of 105 points is absolutely going to be where I spend a lot of my effort and focus. Starting off my lineup with that, I expect he's going to be super involved, and his rebounds and assists might even be able to get him to that uh, close to that total. So it just needs a couple of points to get him over. And in that same range, Steph Curry, 33 and a half points and assists over to 100. Absolutely jumping on that as well. But going back very quickly to the tier side of things, let's start with the expensive pick. And I get to stay on brand just talking about Steph Curry. 8,900, he is going to be my favorite pick as far as the expensive tier is concerned. As I said, I expect Giannis is going to be the pure DK points leader of the night and obviously a great pick to be able to take as well. And I expect that I probably could find myself in some lineups in which I take both Giannis and Steph. But from a pure points per dollar perspective, I expect Steph Curry is just going to be an absolute monster pick today. 8,900, he's got the upside to be able to drop 60 on a nightly basis. His minutes are back. His shot is looking good. And in general, that first game, which is a bit of a feeling out scenario always in any of these series, I expect Steph Curry is going to look to establish himself early and often. So 8,900, absolutely taking him. As far as the mid-tier is concerned, and this is where there's a lot of great options as far as I'm concerned. I spoke about Draymond Green. I spoke about Al Horford. I spoke about Marcus Smart. But I will go ahead and finalize myself on Robert Williams at 5,000, just at that cusp of what starts your mid-tier there. But at 5,000, a guy who's going to be back in the starting lineup, we always know what Robert Williams has the capability of being able to do. In that Milwaukee matchup, I expect that he's really going to be trying to wreak some havoc on the inside. We know as good as Milwaukee can be on the rim protection, outside of Giannis with Middleton also out. On the inside, they're going to be a little lacking as far as mobility is concerned, laterally especially. Both Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, not the fastest and most fleetest of foot guys on the paint. So really what Rob Williams can do to try to get inside there, grab some of those offensive rebounds, be that little bit of a nuisance for them. This is going to be great as far as his price tag is concerned, and I'm very happy to take him for 5000 And then finally, on the value tier, I'm sticking with my guns on how important I think Gary Payton is going to be to the defensive efforts against John Morant. 
We saw his minutes go up in that last game. I expect his minutes will stay up there. They need him. He does a lot of great things for them. And his offense starts to come around as well once he gets a little bit of that I want to say Patrick Beverliness going on the defensive end. He just is a great defender, is able to stay in there without fouling, is able to really keep a lot of guards in front of him. And I expect John Morant's going to have his hands absolutely full with Gary Payton chasing him around for the entire game. So at 3,400, very happy to go ahead and take him. And that is going to be that. As always, we know these playoff series are getting super, super tight now. Not very many games, variability super high. So definitely look into multiple lineups and see what you can do for degenerates like me who continue to keep playing until they just can't anymore. But follow me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil. Talk to me about some of your thought processes in terms of how you're dealing with these two game slates. What kind of things are you looking for when it comes to these variances? And just let me know how it is that you guys are doing overall. Now I'm a bit down myself, wasn't able to get to that Game 7 in Philly, as I'm sure. Mike, on the other hand, will be super ecstatic that the Dallas Mavericks were able to go ahead and close their series out, so we'll see how they get going when we talk about the start of their series on the next day. But until then, as always, let's go out and kill some GPPs, and I will see you guys on the next one.